Welcome to Equality Education, a show about inclusive teaching, supportive parenting, and a kinder future. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Equality Education podcast with me, Ollie Pike. This week, I'm delighted to share with you an absolute powerhouse of a guest who shares with me what it was like being diagnosed with a rare bone condition at an early age to then winning bronze, silver and gold medals as they smashed wheelchair racing competitions, all whilst navigating their LGBT plus identity too. Yes, this week I'm thrilled to introduce to you the incredible Lizzie Williams. Hello, Lizzie, and welcome to Equality Education. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much. Hello. (laughs) It's an honour to have you. And I just have to say for all the listeners out there who can't see you, you have the most incredible blue purple hair at the moment and I'm like super jealous I love it I need to share a picture with everyone (laughs) yeah dude thank you very much it's it's kind of like my trademark on the track my my teammates call me blue lightning (laughs) oh that is so cool I mean I attempted something like this when I was younger but it didn't look as cool as you so yeah super jealous (laughs) anyway I'm getting distracted (laughs) with your amazing hair um before we start firstly Lizzie what are your pronouns my pronouns are she her but I won't be offended if anyone happens to come up with anything different. (laughs) Also, that's cute. I like that. And secondly, can you please tell everyone a happy memory from your childhood? Yeah. So this is a memory that I look back on uh, often and it is of me rock climbing with a broken leg. And that was like, it was kind of a really cool moment that I look back on because it was like, despite the fact that I had a broken leg and my, my leg was in plaster cast. I still managed to climb my way up to like the top of the wall. And I must have been like eight or nine years old. So it's just a really cool. And I've got it on picture like as well. So it's, yeah. Yeah. Fond, fond you know memory. what, Lizzie? <laughs> I absolutely stalked your Instagram and I Did saw you? that picture. Oh, I yeah. did put it on there. <laughs> That's awesome. No, it's super cute. Yeah. No, I love it. There's it actually loads of other pictures of you as a kid as well. So it was really sweet to kind of see you growing up as well so it's it's, yeah, really it's cool. nice when you post things like that yeah I love it I, I was sort of going through like pictures recently and just scanned a few just had them on my phone and yeah every now and then it's just a cool a cool reason to just pop them up and and remember sort of like the journey that I've had because that like really especially that that picture of me rock climbing with a broken leg kind of really reflects just my, mm. my journey throughout this life exactly <laughs> so let's just talk about that picture and that moment in time actually because obviously Well, first of all, let's talk about your condition. Um, You have something called, and please forgive me if I get this wrong, uh, osteogenesis imperfecta. How was that? Was that correct? Oh my goodness! Yeah, (laughs) nailed it. Awesome. awesome. However, more commonly known as brittle bones. Yeah, that's just the easy, less yeah. Osteogenesis imperfecta is like the Latin. Uh, medical sort of terminology of it if you will and it's yeah it sounds quite fancy osteo is bone genesis is like in the beginning and then imperfect is like imperfect so it's like imperfect bones from birth oh okay okay that makes sense basically how it yeah (laughs) and basically this condition means that your bones are more fragile and less dense yeah that's one of the characteristics and probably the main characteristic but it kind of affects the whole body yeah so it's kind of like it's kind of like making bread without yeast. I am a loaf of bread without yeast. <laughs> You're a lovely loaf of bread, though. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Actually, I'm a, bl- I'm a blue bread, yeah, exactly. so maybe not the best. <laughs> That's such a fun way of describing it. I love that. 
<laughs> but as a result of this condition, you've actually suffered over 70 broken bones. Yeah. And is that something that happened since you were born or did they all just come in one go? It, it was like, you know, fresh into the world. Um, I think I, I had my first fracture at like just like after a couple of weeks of, of my life on this earth. Um, and it just pretty much, yeah, went like continued on from then it was I think I got into this really good cycle of like back-to-back fracturing <laughs> so I'd, I'd fracture I'd be in hospital for six weeks or, or thereabouts um, maybe have some surgery as well and then I'd go home and then something else would happen and I'd end up back in hospital with something else broken and another six weeks and it was just pretty much constant like that until I got to about 12 yeah I think and then once I I hit sort of puberty and and that sort of thing um I did notice a difference and I'd been on like a few treatments as well, which I think had helped. So that was kind of like my break it, like, <laughs> yeah, my breaking point, but like a good breaking point where things started to change and I started to fracture less. But so up until then it was, it was pretty wild. And yeah, I missed uh, quite a lot of school. <laughs> I bet. And when you was a child, were your bones more like softer? Is that why they, they broke a little bit easier? I guess so. Yeah. I, I guess cause I, I, yeah, I was missing that you know ingredient or whatever um and as a baby I guess you're quite sort of fragile anyways and things can things can happen and I being a, a baby and or a young child or you know a lot along them first few years of life I don't really have you know a concept of what I can and can't do because I'm just a kid and I, I just want to do stuff yeah and um, yeah I remember especially when I was about four or five and I started going to like uh, primary school and stuff like that and I'd see like other kids doing stuff and I was like oh yeah I'll do that I'll try that and I'll try like stand up and yeah I'd like break both my legs or something (laughs) and I just got into a really good cycle of doing stuff like that (laughs) so yeah I guess you were always pretty like determined especially looking at that picture of you rock climbing yeah it's like you were just like no screw it I'm gonna do this yeah literally I, I was I was a bit of a risk taker and I just I wanted to to always try and do something that I knew I might not be able to do, but I thought, oh, so, you know, just I, I want to do it. So, what would you like as a as a child? How would you describe your personality as a child? Um, I I wasn't I, mean, I was a pretty good kid, I think, but I was also I really wanted to push push the limits and stuff, and I did find it quite difficult, especially in uh, primary school, because I was yeah, I guess quite a liability in a way. Like I, w- I went to a mainstream primary school, but they had a department for kids uh, with additional needs. <clears throat> such as myself mm-hmm. so that you know it worked out well but they were obviously very anxious to the fact that you know I was fragile and I could break a bone at any point and they didn't know when that could be so they were I guess quite on edge all of the time and I was just wanting to do this that and everything and perhaps didn't understand um, from their perspective and their point of view why I couldn't or why I shouldn't but it was it was definitely difficult from that from that way because I I was always aware that I was different um, and there were things I just I couldn't do, like PE. Um, I often couldn't go outside, like during break and lunchtime, uh, just in case other kids like ran into me, like just stuff like that. Yeah. And even until I left primary school, I think in the last couple of years, when we moved to like a different part of the school and you've got that different turf of like playground, we managed to get like a little corner of it. Yeah. Just for me and my my twin sister. But yeah, I've got a twin sister and she's got the same disability but oh, yeah. is affected a bit differently. Saying. And uh, we were allowed to have like yeah, a couple of friends just in this little corner of the playground. And that was looking back on that, like I guess yeah, I didn't really know any different, but it's kinda sad to think, you know, lunch and break time I had to pick a couple of couple of friends I mean I didn't have that many friends anyway but it's yeah 
it, it was a bit, bit sad. <laughs> was there any moments throughout your, like on the whole, your childhood, would you say it was like not a great time for you? I don't, it, it was a mixture. Like I, I couldn't, I couldn't say it was bad. I couldn't say it was, it was amazing. It, it was, it was what it was. You know, it was what it was, and it was a a huge process, a huge uh, yeah. journey for me, a, a big time of development and understanding. And it it wasn't, you know, I had to get through that and get past that to actually eventually get sh- get stronger and strong enough to sort of do things without breaking as much. And eventually, yeah, not breaking. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm at the point now. Yeah, I'm 24 years old now, and I haven't broken anything that significant in probably about 10 years like I say not significant I do like you know ribs and and fingers but just like small things like that um which I can you know handle from home and sort of carry on my day-to-day life you said something really interesting that um you you always knew you were different yeah I just wanted to like go back on that because I think for some people that they can kind of pinpoint a moment when they know that they're different to, to people whether it's because of their race or or whatever, but it's just interesting that you said that you always knew you were different. So, you, so you can't pinpoint like an exact moment. No, not at all. It was, you know, I, I just came everywhere I went. I was kind of introduced, you know, with like bubble wrap around me, I guess. Yeah. And being in a wheelchair as well, but that was kind of the. Everyone sees the wheelchair before they see the person. Mm-hmm. Um. So that that's always yeah. You can't you can't really hide that. <laughs> I was the kid in the wheelchair. Have you, had you always been in a wheelchair ever since you were yeah. really tiny? Yeah, yeah, always. I, I literally couldn't hold my own body weight. Um, I'd try to and, and then, yeah, probably break a leg or maybe both. <laughs> it sounds, I don't know why I laugh about it, but it's just, it's such a, yeah, it's just crazy to think about it. Yeah, no, completely. So as you got older, um, things started to get a little bit better, as you just mentioned, like you were coming a little bit stronger. And was secondary school any easier time for you? Yeah, it was. It was completely different, actually, because like once I got to high school, um, yeah, I went to an, a, a mainstream high school, and and again they had like a department for um, yeah kids with additional needs, but the whole approach was like completely different, and it was quite a specialist um, and like well known school for how well they dealt with kids with additional needs, and it was it was very much much like you know you're going to learn how to be independent here and you're going to learn how to sort of just do stuff on your own and learn your own boundaries um and that that was really cool and it was yeah I guess it was a bit scary like the first sort of year because I've been so used to having like people around me and sort of like protecting me I guess um and all of a sudden I didn't really have that I mean I did you know in a safe way but not in like a, a too much way like I learned to just do stuff myself (laughs) which sounds sounds ridiculous but like I was like oh what do I do (laughs) um but yeah no I I, it was uh yeah I guess quite uh what's the word it was game-changing for me I think high school because I I really sort of uh, put into practice being able to be independent can I ask you how your condition kind of affects your day-to-day life yeah so Nowadays, um, I mean, I still use a wheelchair. So day to day, um, I guess there's the issue of like accessibility and sort of mobility issues. But yeah, I'm quite fortunate that I I haven't really had any major fractures in in so long. Um, So I'm not and even when I do, like I'm not stuck in hospital uh, for a long period of time. What about when you're out and about? Yeah, so I'm pretty independent when it gets to the, you know, being out and about I love my independence um I drive 
and yeah I've got my wheelchair and I guess I have problems navigating I guess today's society um you've got like yeah just getting in the car and finding a parking space like the disabled parking like I love my disabled parking I love my blue badge but there's always people that will just park in there just for like five minutes or whatever they'll say and and they're that they don't have that right to park there because they haven't got a blue badge or they haven't got a disability. They don't have the need to park there. Mm-hmm. And then there's once I'm in town or wherever I am and just trying to navigate the buildings which are or are not accessible. So it's just stuff like that. Like it's a whole different approach, um, I guess, to someone who perhaps doesn't have a disability or a mobility aid and you just kinda of have to yeah, literally navigate <laughs> around this world that perhaps wasn't yeah, built for people like me who have disabilities and, and mobility aids. And how does that make you feel? Is it frustrating or is it, is it annoying? It can be, it can be. Um, but I see it, I kind of take it as like, you know, a challenge for myself. And, you know, my friends will, will just try and like pull people up on it or have a conversation like like for the parking, for example, like, if someone's parked um, in a space and perhaps they're still in the car, maybe they're just waiting for a friend or they're picking up some food, then just try and engage in a conversation, which isn't like, dude, like what are you doing? <laughs> you're in, you're in the disabled parking space and you clearly don't have like a blue badge um, displayed. So, you know, j- don't be confronting, just sort of like, I try to be um, just, yeah. Educating. Get, yeah. Educating. Exactly. Um, and just sort of explain perhaps why them park in there, um, even if it's just for a few minutes, you know, there'll be people that literally, if they can't find a disabled space, then they'll probably just turn back and go home. And that's kind of that's kind of sad. Like, you just have to be aware that, you know, for some people, that's they need to be as close as they can to wherever they are trying to get to, or they need the, yeah, the best sort of parking space, which allows them to navigate around their car to get, in, you know, to and from their wheelchair and stuff like that. And it's that case of you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. No, I really like that you do that. I like that you do it in like a non-confrontational way as well because people get so defensive um, and it's like you don't necessarily want to tell them off. You just want them to think about other people and maybe stop being a little bit selfish. That's it, yeah. I mean, and I think all you can do is just try and teach someone um, and I guess forgive them for being inconsiderate. Yeah, sometimes they come back and they get a bit defensive or, yeah, I remember being in like, when I was at university, uh, people would often sort of just misuse these disabled bays and I did get a bit a bit angry. Yeah, rightly so, though. Like, you're totally entitled yeah. like, to, to get miffed at that because that's not cool. And thank you for talking about all of this, by the way. Of course. And being, like, really honest about it because, I I don't know, I feel like, what do you think? Do a lot of people kind of tiptoe around this sort of thing and, and not ask you questions or...? Yeah, I think... Um... Yeah, people people can be a bit scared or a bit anxious to ask um, these sort of questions, and yeah, especially like, I feel like especially around like disability, they do, they don't they don't know what's right and what's not, you know, personal, or whatever. But to me, I'm just I'm an open book, and I think you know I have my own journey, my own perspective as a disabled and, and queer person, and if I can sort of give any insight into what my life is like as this kind of person navigating this kind of world, then mm. maybe it's. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe it can help someone or we can we can make change through the faults that I see through my eyes. Exactly. Like we've all got such unique stories and lessons that we can share with people. That's it. I actually want to ask you now about um the actual word disability. Um and before you answer, I just wanna tell you my 
take on it. And I actually don't think it's a very good word because to me, that word implies something less than. Um, and I don't think that's the case with a lot of people who have been given this label. Like yourself, you're, there's yeah. nothing less about you. Um, totally. I actually think a better word would be diffability, like just a different ability. Have you ever heard that? I like that. I've not heard of diffability. I've heard of differently abled. But even that kind of just sounds a bit that's too long long but diffability I like diffability is cool I think I made that up Lizzie I'm not sure I'm not sure if I actually heard someone else say it and then decided I made it up trademark it <laughs> copyright it <laughs> get a stamp on it but I I, I like it I tend to say that actually when talking about anyone who's got a different ability because it just seems like a fair way of talking about them yeah no dis- disability the whole uh yeah the whole word does sort of indicate that you are less or you can do less or your ability is less and you can contribute less um it's not a good word that's a very good yeah it's not a great it's not a great no. word <laughs> i'm so i think i guess i'm just so used to it i have thought about it um and yeah people, yeah we do have these discussions um every now and then about you know the word the word disabled and and disability and you know people share their different opinions and stuff but I guess I'm just I'm just so used to it. <laughs> but if you want to make disability a thing, I would definitely, I would definitely, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I think I will. I'm going to use that forever. Let's make it a thing. Let's make it a thing. Disability, just different. We're all different. No one's normal. Exactly. No one is normal. Exactly. So. There's no such thing as normal. <laughs> and you got that great video about normal. Oh my gosh, Lizzie, you telling me you're a are you a fan? I'm definitely a fan. <laughs> I'm a huge fan. I've been following you for years. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh, thank you. <laughs> After I forced you to watch Princess Penny as well yesterday, I was like, please watch Princess Penny before we didn't even force do this me. chat. <laughs> okay, we'll get onto that in a bit. Um, but before we get there, let's get onto the super exciting stuff, which is wheelchair racing. <laughs> I mean, you're insane. Thank you. And what I want to talk about is the story that led you to wheelchair racing. Because if I remember correctly, you, well, obviously you were always quite active and wanted to do different things. And did you do swimming for a little while? Correct. Yeah, no, I, I did swimming for a very long time. That was like the first um, physical activity that I could do because when you're in the water, uh, you're weightless yeah. and there's no, no pressure on your bones. So actually it started out as therapy for me. So I was probably like, yeah, three or four or something like that when they just chucked me in a pool and said, oh, what can you do? <laughs> and that just and that just progressed, you know, over the years. And, and then I started going to a local training group. Uh, well, me and my twin sister, actually, because, you know, we just did stuff together because that's what twins do. <laughs> and it just, yeah, it progressed and progressed. And I, I started training with different different squads. And, and I think uh, even the Paralympic team, I did some training with them. And, and as soon as... The um, as soon as London was named host for for 2012, that was like you know within my family and stuff. That was like oh you gotta you gotta try and, and get yourself ready for that. So that was that was something that I'd always aimed at doing. Um, and then yeah, just a few a couple of years beforehand, started getting a problem with my back. Uh, this horrible pain, which yeah, just just can't even like describe it. It would put me in A and E. It was just so severe and intense. And in 2012, I found out that my back was broken or had been broken and just didn't heal. <laughs> so that was problematic. <laughs> oh my gosh. And then did that injury, did that kind of put a stop to the, the swimming? Yeah. So I had um, surgery in 
2013 to repair or like fix um, the fracture. I think they like just screwed the whole like vertebrae together, put a couple of screws in there. And that whole process, it, it was supposed to be like a routine thing. Um, should have been in hospital for like, you know, a couple of days and then rest at home for like a couple of weeks and then, you know, good to go. But I woke up from the surgery uh, with, yeah, not really being able to do much with like my lower body. Um, significant amount of like uh, muscle loss and just like, not, just couldn't find the strength and they tried to like sit me up and stuff and I just couldn't I just couldn't do it and it no one no one knew why no one had the answers so I ended up being in hospital for nearly four months um just learning to do stuff all over again so I spent a good couple couple of weeks sort of like log rolling in bed which is just like literally just like rolling over in bed and then eventually just like sitting up and then like seat transfer so then like sitting in a different seat um, not in a bed and eventually uh, I stood up and made a few steps and then eventually I was able to go home <laughs> it was a really long a really long process um, which kind of just took took me by surprise and took everyone around me oh, by gosh. surprise so I was that must have been so exhausting it was exhausting and it was I was so so drained like there were so many things that sort of happened at that time and I just I couldn't process it all and it was mm-hmm. just all too much. Like I was, I got so depressed. Um, I was so low, and I just I had no idea what I was going to do with my life. Like at, at that point in my life, I was supposed to be doing my last year of college, <clears throat> mm-hmm. and I think I literally had the surgery in like the end of August. So I was out for like the first, <laughs> you know, four mm. four months at least of um, of college. I think I didn't go back until after Christmas. But I just I didn't know what I was going to be able to do now that you know I'd this has happened um, and it just made me like question like everything that I'd set myself up to do at college I was studying like science and health health and social care and I sort of wanted to go into like some kind of healthcare um job eventually because that's mm-hmm. kind of what I grew up with and I I love the environment and I just wanted to be able to be in a position where I could help someone else and I guess yeah give back from all all that I'd experienced and that was something that I just always wanted to do. And, and now I'd had this, I was in this place at this time and I realised that that wasn't, I wasn't going to be realistic. Like I couldn't, you know, stand for five minutes at this current time, let alone, you know, yeah, do whatever um, I would have been required to do as, as a nurse. And it just threw me completely. That's so awful to hear <laughs> and I'm so sorry like it's we all have these experiences <laughs> I feel like I don't know it's when things out of your control take away your identity or what you think is your identity and I think that's what sends a lot of us down a dark path because mm-hmm. um, for you, you you've obviously been like this super driven determined person and then for that for that to happen, that's life just stripping you of your identity in a way. Yeah. And I think there was also the fact that, you know, no one could explain um, why my body had reacted the way that it had to this, to this surgery. And, you know, to go from thinking, oh, I'll be back into, you know, relative normality after like a couple of weeks <laughs> and to actually just, you know, I didn't know that I would be uh, yeah, in hospital for, for nearly four months. It was just, 
you couldn't you, you didn't mm. there was no um you couldn't say that you're in the final stretch now because you just didn't know how long this stretch was going to be and that's i think that's always difficult when you when you can't see an end um and when it's such a yeah a difficult moment a difficult difficult place in your life and you can't see that ending that that's really hard to deal with and a really dark place to be in um yeah i look at you now and you're like incredible you're like so like one of the smiliest persons I've ever met and oh. I look at what you've achieved and it's like <laughs> you. you clearly overcame that somehow yeah yeah where did you start um I think I just I knew I knew that you know the place I was in the way I was I the way I was sort of acting like I just I I was struggling to eat um I wasn't like getting up in the morning and stuff like that I was just yeah even my my parents were struggling to come and see me because they just couldn't see me in the way that I was and it was just, I guess, everything kind of, you get to a point where you just have to look at yourself or look at where you are and you think, I can't, I can't do this. Like, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere um, where I am right now. And I need to, the only person that's able to change the situation that I'm in right now is me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, it was difficult. Like, it wasn't like, you know, an instant thing. Like, I had to. I had to leave, you know, hospital and figure out my next, my next move really. And I just, I wanted to figure out what I was going to do in my life. And I decided to go back to college. Well, I tried, I tried to finish um, that final year of college actually. So I did go back, um, but it didn't, it was just too much in too short a time. Um, So I actually decided to go back and do college again. (laughs) So I, I actually ended up going to a different college um and studied sport which is like it was like yeah it was just just sport it was like equivalent to three levels so it was cool to just you know not have lots of different things it was just I'm gonna dedicate to sport because sport was the most sport is the most consistent thing mm-hmm. in my life it always, ha- it's always, always has been um so I knew if there was yeah if I was going to find my fire again it, it would be with sport and to be able to study it and understand it better that was just something that interested me and it was, uh, yeah, sort of in between that time of going to college um, or sort of starting starting college, I went, I was doing some like volunteering mm-hmm. um, at like different sport events and, and disability sport events as well. And I met this kid who was a wheelchair racer and he was just talking to me about it and I was sort of, you know, explaining that, you know, I'm a bit in a bit of a limbo right now. I've just come out of this... Uh, this time in hospital and I'm just figuring myself out and figuring out life. And it was just like, why don't you, why don't you come down to my track, um, local track? It's on, you know, this day, this day. Why don't you just give it a go? Jump in a chair, give it a go, see what you think. Um, just, yeah, you might enjoy it. <laughs> so I thought, what, yeah, you know, what, what, what's not to lose? And like, I always, now I'm, I'm kind of like a yes man. Like, I think I think I'm more afraid of like saying no to stuff because I just don't know what that opportunity you know might bring to me as a person. And I just it was like, you know, sod it. Let's just. Well, I shouldn't say that. It's fine. You know what? Let's just <laughs> go there. Just get in the chair. Just do it. See what you think of it because it's an opportunity, and it, you just never. You just don't know. Mm-hmm. You just don't know. Um, so later that week, I went down to the the track, jumped in a uh, into a racing chair, and it was it was yeah. yeah I've, Funnily enough, it took me that long to get in a racing chair. You know, all the sport that I've done in my life, and it took me that long to get in a racing chair. But I did it, and it was very different. It was uh, difficult for sure, but I just, 
I really enjoyed it. And I think my whole thought process when it comes to thinking about the whole, you know, concept of wheelchair racing is you, you can only go as fast as, as you make the chair go. Like you can only go as fast as you can go. And that is like a never ending challenge. <laughs> and it's always, you know, a goal to be faster. Um, even if it's just like a hundredth of a second faster, like if I can do that, that's like gold medal moment for me. If I can get PB, happy days. And I just, that's my whole, that's always been my mentality in it. And it still is today. And I just, I love it. I love the speed and the tactics of, of wheelchair racing. And it's, it's just a really cool, really cool sport. What does it feel like when you're like in it, in, in full motion and you're going super, super fast? Can you describe it? It's, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It's funny. Like I kind of, as soon as that, you know, that gun goes and, and you're like, you have to go. It, it, it kind of feels like a blur. Yeah. And then I've crossed the finish line and I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> but it's, it's, you just, you just got to go for it. Like as, as fast as you can. Um, and you, you know, with like good technique. Yeah. Of course. That's what training is <laughs> for, coach. right? <laughs> exactly. I guess you train so hard um, so that then your intuition just takes over in the race. Yeah. There's, you know, there, that's, that's it. Like the race, when you're in a race, um, yeah, sometimes like you can train as much as you can, sort of do things, and you, your head just maybe might do other things. But yeah, it's a uh, it's it's a really interesting uh, mindset once once you enter that like race space. <laughs> but it's a really cool and like you know a lot lot of adrenaline and you just buzzing. Yeah. you're just so buzzing. Do you get nervous? Oh hell yeah, yeah. No, I re- I I get so nervous. I get so nervous like like all the time. I remember. Uh, last year like the first last competition the first competition of last last season I think I got I think I didn't fall asleep till like 4am oh no I was so nervous and I then that just made me more nervous because like I had to wake up at like seven I guess um to race and I was like I've only had three hours sleep I've only had three hours sleep (laughs) (laughs) and I was like freaking out and it was just yeah it was ridiculous but I always get nervous it especially at the start of the season like that's just a really nerve-wracking place to be because no one's seen each other in a while. Um, you don't know, you know, what your competitors are thinking and what they've been up to and what they're doing. And you just and how many yeah, hours you, sleep they've had. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I'm just like, I can't start the season with three hours sleep. Someone get me some coffee. <laughs> I feel like though, when things like that happen, even though you've only had three hours sleep, like your brain knows and your brain will give you enough adrenaline to still be able to go for it. You might like zonk out like later and, and sleep for a week, but I think I think our body and our brain has a way of knowing what's important and it provides does. us with what it needs. It wouldn't be able to do that consistently, but like I think one offs, if you miss a bit of sleep, you can you can The still, adrenaline can is still, definitely yeah. like I'm gonna carry you through this. <laughs> no matter adrenaline. what. Yeah, literally. But I think you just it's yeah. You just get in there and you're just like, okay, three hours sleep. You don't matter. <laughs> I mm. got this. <laughs> and the the racing chair that you use, they're slightly different because you actually tuck your legs underneath. Is that correct? There, there's diff- there's So there's two different seating positions. You can, yeah, um, tuck your legs underneath. So it kind of looks like you just folded yourself in half or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or your kneeling position, that's what they call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> kneeling position. <laughs> That makes more sense. <laughs> or, uh, yeah, if you can't, you know, some people can't kneel. Um, so you can just sort of have your legs, like your, your butt is still in the same place, but like 
it's just kind of like, I don't even know how to describe it. You just don't tuck your legs so much, so they just kind of go more down to the ground. Oh, okay. If that makes sense. So you just have like a little foot plate, uh, foot plate and that's, yeah, you can do that. But yeah, I, I kneel. Um, the chair is very different to a day chair. So but it's got three wheels, so that's a good, <laughs> that's a good difference. Mm. You've got two, two large wheels, um, towards the back and on them wheels, you've got this little like push rim. And that's, yeah, what you make contact with to propel yourself around the track. And you don't even grip the pushroom in, in the way that you do a day chair when you're pushing. So I have these special uh, made-to-measure made gloves. And actually the chair's made-to-measure as well. But I have these special made-to-measure gloves. And they've got a couple of uh, pads, like a couple of points where you make contact with the pushroom. And you just sort of, you kind of punch the pushroom. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's like a, yeah, a whole like te- technique to it. So maybe you'll like hit the pushroom at like nine o'clock and then like flick off the bottom at like seven o'clock and then you just i've got to send you a video and then you yeah can... <laughs> you know i've seen some little <laughs> you bits of that. you doing it and it's like it's crazy fast it is, like yeah. uh looking at you because you did an ident with channel four yes um and you're all like there's a group of you wheelchair racing mm-hmm. well just wheelchair wheeling along the front <laughs> um because you're not racing you're just like going along um and it, just doing the thing <laughs> but you're like going so fast it was a cool a cool thing yeah yeah and they, they've animated like a little number four running after you trying to keep up with you which is really funny as well so he couldn't keep up with us we were, we were way too fast for him okay so let's talk about some of your competitions and well that started in 2015 didn't it because that's when you were given your classification. Can you just explain the classification element of disability uh, athletics? Yeah. So um, within disability sport, I love that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, obviously there's so many different um, the disabilities. Yeah. So many disabilities that you need to make sport, you know, an even playing ground for everyone. And mm-hmm. for example, if I was to race someone, with one arm that wouldn't be fair or if I was to race mm. someone who had a spinal injury which um perhaps meant that they they had no core so they they couldn't engage their abs or it was yeah and any anywhere sort of like between the chest and, and upwards basically um then I would I would have an advantage over them because I have complete function basically so there's loads of different classifications within uh, sport, and each sport is different. Within athletics, um, you've got obviously track and field, but within wheelchair racing, there is a respectable handful of different classifications. And I am T54, and that is the most competitive uh, classification. That's, so that has the most mm-hmm. people competing in that classification because it's kind of like it's not that specialist of a like group because it's, it's so many, because I've, I've got, I've got complete function of like my upper body. Well, my, my whole body really, but my legs are like more affected, but it doesn't really matter about my legs because obviously I'm using my upper body. Um, so yeah, there's different, there's different groups basically for different, different disabilities. And I just, I'm a T54. Great. And competing as a T54 athlete, you have won a lot of stuff. 
You've won like bronze medals, you've won silver medals, and you've won a number of gold medals too, right? There's a, there's a few few things here and there, but yeah, no. I've... There's loads there, it's on your website. It's like gold, silver, gold, silver, Just it's like crikey. staring at my trophies behind the camera. Oh, really? <laughs> they are behind me actually, but there's, there's a few of them up there. But yeah, no, it's cool. So I've, cool. I've had... You know, quite a bit of uh, success. More, more on the on the road side of things, actually. I think than on the track. But it's um, no, it's been it's been really exciting, and it's it's always nice to get you know a shiny little medal. <laughs> um, so let's just talk about um, off track stuff. What are you proud of, like in general, off of the track when you're not racing? So when I'm not racing, like I've I've really um. Yeah, I like to reflect on why why I've had had issues in in today's society, and I like to think of what I can do to change to change it. And uh, one of the things that I came up with a couple of years ago, um, which is when I was actually re- uh, recovering from an injury, is uh, going into schools and and delivering like talks and just mm-hmm. being open with them and having discussions and giving them the opportunity to like ask me questions like literally anything they can ask me absolutely anything and it's wonderful because they're so they're so young and they're so honest and they're so curious and they're just they're not afraid at that age like high school is a completely different game yeah. primary school kids I love them they're great and it's it's been it's been so much fun um I've really enjoyed it and I think I'd love to think that they've yeah, I've I'm I've heard really good feedback, you know, from the schools that I've been to. I think it's probably nearly like fifty odd in like West Sussex, um, and like surrounding areas, and and they've really enjoyed me coming in and and sharing my story and talking about so many different aspects, you know, of my life. And I've maintained yeah really good relationships with some of these schools, and they've invited me back for like sports days, or they've got like diversity diversity week or. Paralympic and Olympic week and stuff like that so it's been mm-hmm. really cool to be you know a consistent presence in in some of these kids um lives and just for them to see a disabled person you know just smashing it absolutely um, smashing it also, yeah <laughs> being a That's hero it, yeah. yeah oh thank you but like also just how I navigate, yeah, I, I always use this word, how I navigate through life. We all have to navigate through life, but how I navigate through life and, and perhaps, you know, give some advice to them, which will help them navigating through their life. And Yeah, whatever they have to face. That's it, because yeah. we, we all have, we will all have struggles at some point in our life. And my, mine is, well, one of mine, yeah, just so happens to be easier to see because I'm in a wheelchair, but you can't. You can't ever, you know, write someone off because you just you you don't know what they're going through. You're never going to know, and uh, you just have to be open minded to to different people's experiences. Mm. That's incredible, and I'm so pleased to hear that you do that. Thank that you. you go into primary schools and diversify the the people that the children are coming into contact with and seeing, because we know there isn't a lot of disability representation in in children's media and in, in, in children's books. Did, did exactly. you have any? Did you have any disability uh, characters or role models when you was a kid growing up? No, to be honest, no. <laughs> there was, you know, I didn't, I didn't open a book and and see and see myself, uh, you know, ever represented or or on TV. I don't think either. Like, no, there's literally nothing that's that's springing to my mind. Um, but yeah, I only wish that you were around <laughs> when I was at oh. school because definitely, I'd definitely be. Uh, 
be owning all of your books and probably writing to you, hassling you to make more books because I want more books to read. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, Lizzie. Yeah, I'm I'm so pleased that I've I've created that uh, Penny Princess Penny in the Paper. Yeah. Um, because even though my thing is like LGBT plus books. Princess Penny isn't an LGBT plus book, but I'm pretty sure she would be an ally. Yeah. Or maybe she is LGBT plus, like, because the, the story isn't about that. Um, but I created that story at a time when I started to realise that actually all minorities are connected. Like, we all share some battles. Uh, we share We share a lot of things. And, yeah, I just was learning how important it is to represent everyone and to to connect with everyone so that was kind of the inspiration behind that I really love that about you and I have to say thank you for doing that I mean just for for all of your wonderful creations like yeah we've been me and my partner have been having a look this week together um she's she's actually familiar with you anyways but we were yeah just it's just so amazing to see how you, you create so many like incredible beautiful characters and I'm just yeah it's amazing that you've created Princess Penny Oh, thank you, Lizzie. Like, that's incredible to hear you say that. And I love that it kind of resonates with you. It's just, it's so cool. <laughs> At the same time, I'm like, I'm so wound up that there's not more out there. I'm wound up that there's not a Disney princess in a wheelchair. Like, I know. I'm still waiting that, for that moment, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, like, I love Disney. Everyone loves Disney, but it's like, who doesn't? Come on. Yeah. Like, to, to be fair, Disney have, like, you know, like they do with a lot of minorities, sprinkle people in. Sprinkle. Uh, <laughs> that's that's what I feel like. Do they sprinkle in a gay I character love here? That. Blink that's... and you'll miss it. They'll sprinkle in a disabled yeah. person. Oh, there's one black princess. It's like I love that. Okay, I mean, obviously they're learning. We're all learning. They're getting better. Totally. Uh, we're all getting better. Um, we are all getting better. Things are changing, and and you know it is going in the right direction. Um, but but more needs to be done. Something else, which is just random, and I briefly said this to you the other day, we can see how important it is when kids have representation because, you know, we've both seen that little video of the little girl in a wheelchair when she gets a Barbie that's also in a wheelchair and her face, yeah, it just says it all. It's like she's absolutely elated to have a toy yeah. that is like her. Um, that's so special. Yeah, and seeing things like that just inspire me. It's like, look, it is important. Look how happy that child is it make it does make such a difference like you just you don't feel so alien and you don't feel so alone and you just it doesn't you don't feel so different you don't feel wrong you don't feel wrong yeah exactly like if you can't see you out there then how how are you going to learn to be you how are you going to learn to be you comfortably and confident confidently like i uh, yeah I, I didn't see me out there in in either aspect of being a disabled individual or, or a queer individual and that was like you know, I, I had no idea how I was going to live my life, what I'd be capable of. <laughs> Could I live alone? Could I find, you know, find a relationship? Like ridiculous questions like that. You just, you don't know. Um, and it was, you know, so many, so many questions. And that's, that's why I wanted to, in in the Penny story that I've written and, and animated, that's why I wanted to have her, you know, swimming and playing in the mud and, and riding a unicorn because... Love that. I want people to know that people who are, who have different abilities can still do the same stuff that everyone else can do. Exactly. Um, I don't want disability people to be boxed in. Yeah. And thought of in a really old-fashioned way, which is like, oh, we just, you know, we have to keep them separate. Mm -hmm. But it's like, no, like, everyone can be involved with everything. Yeah. it was. I really liked how you, you did the Princess Penny story. And I really felt it was cool because 
you know, I was aware that she was disabled, but I didn't feel like the whole point of the story was of her disability. It was like, she's a character who just so happens to be disabled and she, she's, you know, she wants to be part of the townspeople. She wants to do things that other people are doing. And then this blooming pee. <laughs> <laughs> it's a funny pee. I love that pee. I was like nearly in tears when, when she ate the pee. I was like, no. <laughs> and yeah, I guess the, the idea behind that book is actually treating people how they want to be treated. Like, don't assume anything about anyone and treat them because of whatever reason. Like, Penny gets treated very differently in the book, not because of her disability, but because she's a princess. And it's like, no, you can't go play in the mud, you're a princess. Exactly. You can't go do this because princesses don't do that. And it's like, yeah. Penny just wants to be one of the gang. Yeah. And like, and go and have fun like everyone else does. And that's kind of the message I was trying to get across, like not to treat people. You, you, you oh, that's it. so good to hear. Thank you so much. You nailed it. I loved it. Because um, I wrote that one a little while ago. And at that time in my life, you know, I didn't have many people around who had disabilities who who I could ask and, and check with. So I think I kind of took a risk with that one and, and hoping that I, I would do disability uh, people justice. So I'm thrilled to hear you say that. Thank you very much. I wanted to talk about this a lot, but I, we might be short on time. But I want to talk about your LGBT plus identity because <gasps> yeah. that's like a whole other thing. Because you yeah. you identify as a lesbian, right? Well, I, I identify as queer. As queer. So I kind I kind of feel like yeah, because like, I feel I feel like my LGBTQ plus identity doesn't just touch into like my sexuality. I, I feel like it does touch into my my gender and my identity as mm -hmm. a whole yeah um but I kind of feel you know I know the term queer hasn't been perhaps the best term to use in the past um obviously that's not well I say obviously that's not really been my experience I guess I'm just at that age um where I kind of missed all of that and now I'm aware of my identity and who I am that's kind of just I kind of feel like the term queer for me is something that I can just re like recreate what's like comfortable for me and it, it doesn't have boundaries it doesn't have a stop stop here stop here it's it's kind of it's just me it's it's however I express <clears throat> so yeah that's that's just my identity it's just it's just me <laughs> when did you kind of realize that you might have been queer <sighs> definitely from a young age um I think yeah I guess from more of like the sexuality side I was definitely you know like attracted to to women um from an early age and that was interesting mm -hmm. <laughs> that was definitely you know like the, the hidden um sort of thing it was yeah it was, it was crazy you know being like you know crushing on, on girls and stuff and not being able to talk about it yeah Just, you know being being a kid in like primary school or like high school was kind of like what you talk about <laughs> <laughs> and I just didn't know how to express that or how to talk about it because it it wasn't I wasn't brought up thinking that that was a particularly good thing. Like I was I was brought up in a Christian um, household. I oh, really yeah. And my parents uh, they separated, and my mum was I was never staying with mostly with my mum, and she was particularly very like um, Christian. And it was yeah, it was it was difficult difficult conversation really um, to ever imagine having with her. I think mm. I remember times where we just so happened to be like watching like Ellen on TV and she'd come in and like switch, switch the channel over or something like that. But it's, I'm happy to say that it's not like that now. We've, yeah. we've, 
both massively grown a lot and uh, I didn't actually come out or I didn't even really like come out I kind of I kind of I never really wanted to to really come out because I guess I'm still like I think I'll always be figuring out like my identity and like you know where I fit on the spectrum which I guess why I'm so comfortable with the term queer because I just I don't have to figure it out and I don't have to know and that's fine but yeah, I just got, I got to a point in my life uh, where I'd met my, my now partner, Rosa, and I didn't want to hide her. I, I wanted to share her because she's just like, she's just so amazing. She's just so amazing. And if you don't meet Rosa, then you've just, you've missed out. Oh. And I was going off to university and we just met and she's from Switzerland. I met her in Switzerland when I was on a training camp <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we took some pictures together um, and yeah, it was like over over a few weeks we we went out on like our first date and stuff and a, f- a few other dates and we had like lots of pictures together. And I came back home to England and I was going off to university <clears throat> and I had these pictures which I'd actually misprinted and they were like A4 size. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I took them home. I took them home with me and I left them on my desk in my bedroom at my mum's and she's like super nosy and I knew that she she'd find them. And that was mm-hmm. yeah, that was just that was all I wanted um is for her to just know um, because it, I guess it doesn't really become yeah any clearer than that. But I knew that you know if, if I ever tried to make it a conversation first, it might be difficult. Um, mm-hmm. So I just wanted to give her the time and the headspace to just yeah take it in, I guess, and process and, it, yeah, and process it, yeah, totally. And and it was nice that you know I, I wasn't in that house for <laughs> mm. for a while, so I'd, I she would totally just had like her own time to think about it and after a, a couple of weeks she wrote to me and she was like yeah I've you know I've, I've discovered um something about you and and you're you know you're at an age that you can make your own decisions and although I may not you know completely agree with them like I love you I always will um so that was quite a relief mm-hmm. um to be to be honest like just just to know that you know she loves me and she always will and that that, that wasn't going to be I wasn't you know going to be out on the streets mumless do you know what I mean yeah and um because that I, is yeah, a fear it, it that is a fear for a lot of LGBT plus people it like is. it I don't, totally is however much your parents or carers love the seemingly straight you like you I don't know I guess you can't always predict how they're going to react Exactly. And when you've had years to think about it, like you just have every scenario ready in your brain. Like, is this going to happen? Is this going to happen? And it's just, you just don't know. It's like added trauma on top of everything else for you. Yeah. Yeah, literally. And and you just, you hear so many stories about, you know, poor like LGBTQ plus kids who have come out and had these horrible experiences with their families. And I just, I never wanted that. I never wanted to be in that position. Um, so I think I, I guess I got myself into a safe place where I was, I was at uni, I was yeah. away from home and yeah, in the end it worked out and I think, yeah, my mum was a bit nervous and apprehensive at first and, but once she met Rosa, uh, yeah, she loves her. Like oh. four years down the line, she's probably texts her more than she texts me and she's, they've got so much in common. Um, they're just, yeah, they're just like best mates. It's so cool. I know I could never have imagined it. I could never have imagined it. And I'm just so, so happy. That's so lovely. I think for my mum, like it, it took her to see me in a happy and healthy relationship, um, to really, you know, understand that it, it's okay. Like I'm safe, I'm happy, I'm healthy. Like there's nothing bad here. 
it's all good. It's all love. <laughs> it's all love. <laughs> Can I ask you, is there a disability community like like we have the LGBT plus community? Uh, and if there is, like, what are the similarities? What are the differences? There's there's so many um, different yeah communities within like the disability community. So, for example, as uh, a person with brittle bones, osteogenesis factor, we've got our own you know like little community, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, we're like within the UK. There's like a a charitable organisation which. Um, sort of makes like gatherings and stuff like throughout the year. So we just like hang out um, and can have these like conversations and events and discuss lots of different things. And it's really like, it's really supportive and a really cool place to be from that aspect. But um, yeah, I think disabilities like in general, it's like whenever I see, you know, I'm out in town and I, I see someone with a, a more noticeable, I guess this disability, like if they're in a wheelchair then you just, I always like find myself sort of like giving them the nod, you know what I mean? Like, oh, really? hello there friend. <laughs> That is so interesting because I do that with uh, if I see two same sex people holding hands. Yeah, no, me too. And it's like I just, me and my partner always do it. We always find ourselves like giggling about it because it's like our people. We found our people. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and it's like you just need to let them know that you're like part of their community and yeah. then you support them. Yeah, totally. No, I love that. I, me too. It's so fun. I'm so glad I'm not we're not the only ones that do that. <laughs> I've never actually discussed that with anyone else. It's yeah. It's definitely like. Yeah, with any minority, I guess you have like your your own thing, like your own like yeah way of communicating, and and there's there's so many, I guess, with social media, there's so many ways to be in touch with one another and discuss things about you know any issues or sort of things that you're growing through. Um, so yeah, I'm part of so many Facebook groups <laughs> online, yeah. you know, the different disability groups, and uh, yeah, being someone with osteogenesis is just endless endless amount of resources and, and support groups in place which oh is, that's fantastic to hear it's really cool that that is available and that is there for anyone that needs it where can people find you online lizzie you can find me on uh instagram twitter i do have a facebook page and i will be relaunching my youtube channel soon so i will yeah that will obviously go out on my my social media um, platforms awesome. but just keep keep an eye out for that that's gonna be yeah I can't wait to do that and just like talking with you is really like encouraged and inspired me to just get get that get back on that so I'm amazing to watch this space I'm excited I mean, so what should people type in on Instagram and Twitter to oh find you? yeah is of course Williams or, <laughs> um, or... <laughs> my, my username I've tried to just so I don't you know forget all these different usernames I've tried to just keep it with uh, Lizzie Wheels and that's L-I-Z-Z-I-E and then wheels with a Z, so W H E E L Z. That's love it. That's it. That's me. <laughs> so Google that, and you should come up. Amazing. Exactly. Yeah. Or just yeah, you can Google my name, Lizzie Williams, and I'm sure it'll that will come up as well. So either way, <laughs> you can find Fantastic. me. I'm out there somewhere. <laughs> uh, Lizzie, you've been absolutely incredible. Thank you. And I want to end with one last question. Go for it. Uh, and that is, what advice would you give to your younger self? <sighs> I'd love to just tell myself, I'd, I'd love to embrace myself, give myself a really big hug and just, just know that it is, yeah, super cliche, but it does get better and it will get better. And just, just allowing yourself to continue to grow and go at your pace, um, 
I think look at look in a way there can be this this pressure in today's society, this instant society that that things and change needs to happen now, and it's a process and it's a journey, and you just need to give yourself the time and space and respect to just do your thing at your pace and and know that it's going to be okay. And there are plenty of people, so many communities and people that just love you and will love you for who you are, and and you can just reach out to them. So. Yeah, feel free if you if there's anyone listening uh, right now who who would love to get in touch and just drop me a message or just say hey, or yeah, whatever it is, just just drop me a message. I'd I'd love to chat. Amazing, Lizzie, thank you. You've been epic. Thank you so much, Charlie. You are amazing. I love you so much. Mwah. Hello again, everyone. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of Equality Education. Thank you so much for listening. If you did like it, then please consider helping me to make more episodes by becoming a Poppin' Ollie site member at poppinollie.com. You can do this for as little as £2 a month and you will receive some really awesome perks too. So please go and check it out. Okay, thanks again for being here and I can't wait to have another episode for you next time. Take care.